we've never tried to kind of um, liken ourselves to to Star Wars, really. Yeah. Um, just because we are our own thing, you know, we mm-hmm. want to be recognised as an actual sport, as an actual, um, you know, combat discipline. Yeah. And it's not just for people who love Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, granted, if you enjoy Star Wars and you want to come along, I'm not going to say no, don't yeah. don't turn up. It's definitely something, you know, that you'll find people with a shared yeah. interest. Yeah. Um, but we don't have any kind of, like, we don't dress up in, you know, any kind yeah. of cosplay or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, because we are our own thing, really. We live in challenging times. Times in which we are less active than ever before, in which obesity rates are soaring and the medical system is struggling to cope. Here at Orphe Active, we are on a mission to get more people more active more often. But we can't do this alone, so we're speaking with numerous impactful and inspirational people within the sports, health and fitness industry, and together they'll help us understand the significance of a healthy lifestyle and how it can change our lives for the better. This is Orphe Hangouts. So for somebody that's kind of either your family member or whatever it may be, um, how do you describe lightsaber fencing just like in a few words so that everybody can understand? It's uh, fighting with lightsabers. Um, I mean, most people know what a lightsaber is when you say, you know, a lightsaber. Um, because everyone, if not, if everyone hasn't seen Star Wars, they at least know about it. So they at least know about the weapon. Um, and I think that's a big draw for a lot of people anyway. So you say fighting with a lightsaber, most people go, oh, okay. Yeah. And then it usually takes a little bit more because then they think like, it's a toy or something like that. And actually the, the thing that we use, the uh, the sabers that we use are actually, you know, pretty heavy duty. Um, the one I have is, you know, designed for the sport, um, you know, made by a company over in Italy. Okay. And that's that's where it originated from, isn't it? It is, yeah. So um, it was, it was uh, originally founded in Milan right. um, in La Cripta. So it's kind of like our... Um, you know, the birthplace of the sport. How long ago was um, that? About 13 years ago oh, now, yeah. Okay. Um, the story goes that it was three lifelong friends who were like in a bar or something like that and went, how would you fight with a weapon that's got yeah. a 360 cutting edge, uh, light, you know, a blade that has no weight to it with all the weight being in the hilt? Because of course, most swords, you know, the, the weight's in the actual, um, in the metal of the blade. Yeah. Because of course you need that extra force to cut through, whereas a lightsaber, it cuts through without any force. Yeah. Um, so this is how, you know, the, that kind of question created, you know, uh, created Ludo Sport yeah. and created lightsaber fencing. So it started from those three guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and how have you seen it grow? What what actually made it grow? Is it because of the fans of Star Wars or like what, what happened? I think it's a combination of different things. So um, it's not just Star Wars fans who do it. It's also a lot of people who, you know, look at it as a potential as a martial art, as an actual fighting style. Mm. Um, it's just that our rules are slightly different from, you know, something like Kendo or something along those lines because we don't need force to cut through our opponent. Yeah. Um, so it's like this kind of balance of people who you know like Star Wars because I've got some friends who do the sport who are really really into wow. it, know all about the extended universe, all that sort of stuff. By myself, I've only ever seen the films. Mm. You know, I don't know any of that extra sort of thing. I mean, I'm more of a Lord of the Rings fan than it, you know, than a Star right. Wars fan. Um, so it's more of the sport aspect that's kind of got me triggered, right. and also um, the community kind of yeah. that that grows up around it. Um, so the sport was in, you know, family in Italy, 
and it was only five years ago that they opened it up internationally right and it's massive you know there's there's it's all over the place we've got um we've got four different locations in the uk so we've got bristol cheltenham birmingham and manchester yeah um and we're hoping to you know constantly keep growing it in the uk um it's also moved across all different parts of europe as well so you've got france sweden um, Spain, yeah. we've got one in Barcelona and another in Madrid. Um, we've also moved over to the US as well. So we've got a couple of ones in there like San Francisco and Finger Lakes. And so also, really growing, yeah, and yeah. Brazil as well. Sao Paulo's just uh, opened a club this year. Yeah. Um, met the um, met the, the guy who, uh, who started that one actually at okay. SIS this year and he's a really nice lad. He's a really nice guy. So I'm curious then. So obviously it's growing like that and it, it had an initial traction. I mean, let's face it, Star Wars had a lot to do with it. And the fact that it's called lightsaber combat, I saw Fenton. Yeah, lightsaber like Fenton's there. Um, yeah. One interesting thing that I've noticed is that um, it's increasingly more popular to start calling it Ludo Sport as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious to see, is that with an intention to kind of get away from the connection of Star Wars and start establishing it as a standalone sport. Yeah, I mean, we've never really had any kind of actual affiliation with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, all the forms are given, you know, form names. So it's like Form 1, Form 2, Course Y, yeah. or, you know, Course Ypsilon, um, after, the, you know, the Greek letter. Mm. Um, so we actually have no kind of real affiliation with, you know, with Star Wars, and we don't really use any kind of Star Wars terms. Yeah. I mean, even lightsaber is split up into two words. It's light mm-hmm. and then saber. But I guess for somebody trying to get into it, yeah, without th- knowing, like it's it's natural, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're always going to draw that, you know, um, that kind of connection. But we've even got our own source material now as well. Yeah. So uh, there's a couple of um, people over in Italy who've created our own, you know, their own comic book now um, called Polaris: A Story of Light, okay. and it actually shows, you know, the lightsaber that it's actually got three different modes. So it's got the off mode where mm-hmm. it's not got the light, then it's got the training mode which is the light that we normally have, and then they have a special sequence that turns on and then yeah. makes it deadly. Um, I mean, I wish it worked that way. <laughs> Sometimes people not listening going to pay attention now. But um, but yeah, so I mean, we've 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 never tried to kind of um, liken ourselves to to Star Wars really. Yeah. Um, just because we are our own thing, you know, we mm-hmm. want to be recognised as an actual sport, as an actual, um, you know combat discipline yeah. and it's not just for people who love star wars yeah. i mean granted if you enjoy star wars and you want to come along i'm not going to say no don't yeah. don't turn up it's definitely something you know that you'll find people with a shared yeah. interest yeah um but we don't have any kind of like we don't dress up in you know any kind yeah. of cosplay or anything like yeah, that yeah, yeah. um because we are our own thing really so what is then the kind of official way of calling it? Like, so what's the right way of calling it? I guess. So it's uh, so Ludo Sport is yeah. the is the name, and it's okay. Ludo Sport lightsaber fencing. Yeah. So I was wondering because you mentioned a few things, but I really want to focus on the lightsaber itself because mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's the main one of yeah. the main selling points. Yeah. The weapon, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's a bit of misconception of how it looks, how it feels, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Can you guide me through actually how it's made 
and sort of what it does to feel like the real thing. Okay, well, my one in particular, um, as I say, is, uh, is a Polaris from a company called Lama Delucci, which is based yeah. in Italy. Um, and it was created for the sport. Yeah. So the actual material that's used is, um, is aluminium, so it's an Air Force grade um aluminium mm -hmm. which is then anodized to give it you know it's kind of it's bronze color you can get them in a few different colors and stuff yeah. like that um the internals are where it's really kind of important because you imagine we're, we're beating these things you know we're kind of we're, we're fighting yeah um so they have to be quite durable so inside of these polaris we have what's called the anima and mm -hmm. it's a, a a chassis that has all the internals and all the electrics in there um, to make it really, really durable and really, really kind of yeah. um, robust to be yeah. able to uh, take the the battering that they can have. Yeah. Um, and I imagine kind of the the blade itself still has to be quite light to rep replicate yeah, the lights. Yeah. So the blades that we use are also um, designed specifically for the sport. So it's a certain type of polycarbonate. Mm -hmm. um, that means it's incredibly um, flexible and not prone to shatter yeah. um, but at the same time it's got quite a lot of um, you know rigidity in it so that it doesn't just bend around as, yeah. you, as you kind of fight him and then inside that it's got like the kind of the reflective foil to you know yeah. transfer the light all the way up to the top of it yeah. but um, but yeah the blades are a very important thing as well because we don't want it to shatter um, yeah. which is what happens with a lot of uh, you know if you get a lot of these kind of like replicas and stuff like yeah. that from other you know other vendors um, a lot of the blades that they come with um have you know a ten, you know have a potential to shatter mm. so it was a big thing was um that we had to get a blade that was durable and would um and wouldn't kind of shatter on an impact yeah and how and how flexible how bespoke how crazy can people actually go with the designs of the blades because imagine again it's a form of expression within mm. the whole combat yeah so um so uh, the Polaris um, Sabre comes in a variety of different colours, you know, on the uh, on the hilt. Mm -hmm. um, they also do um, engraving as well, so you can have them etched and you can have little patterns put into the actual yeah. hilt. The actual blade itself, um, the uh, uh, the LEDs that they're using them are RGBW. Mm -hmm. So if you know the values, you can pretty much get whatever kind of colour in the rainbow that you want. Yeah. Um, a standard when you first start the sport you have to have it as blue so when you're uh, novizio and an itziato you have to have the so blade is that blue. to determine your your level or? Yeah, yeah so it's it's based on rank so you have um, novizio or novice when you first start okay then you have an itziato which is initiate um yeah. which is the second layer um and you get a nice tunic and a belt right. to kind of distinguish your rank then you have academico um which is again an, a tunic but it's a tunic of a different color so you right. get to choose whichever colour you want out of, you know, the variety of colours that we have. Right. We have like orange, yellow, um, green and red. Mm -hmm. So you tend to have a lot of people who kind of go for a bit more aggressive thing, tend to go for red. Yeah. Um, and at that point as well, you can choose the colour of your sabre. Right. So um, my one personally, I have um, like a yellow, a gold kind of colour, just because I quite like the idea of having a kind of a gold saber and it goes really nice with the hilt yeah. so i have like a bronze hilt so it just kind of works really really well yeah um then other people go for you know for red blades or a green blade or you know purple quite mm -hmm. um gets quite a lot of people in mm -hmm. in fact we have a thing as well over in um in italy called pink side arena and people usually turn the blade pink for that okay um and also we did um for prostate cancer 
Yeah. Um, we turned our sabers purple as well to kind of show yeah. our support for that as well, which was quite nice. And so the, if you wanted to change the color, is that something that needs to be done by somebody else or do people actually do it themselves? You can do it yourself. So um, you just have to connect the computer and connect the lightsaber up to the computer, okay. um, turn on the, the software. So if you have a manager and then you can mess around with the values on there and you can change the sound fonts as well. So you can have it sounding like a different yeah. um, kind of lightsaber if you want. I've heard a rumor of someone making a chicken sound font. So as they're kind of <laughs> going around, you're just hearing this chicken clucking. Uh, and they're going, that would just be distracting as yeah. all hell. But I guess it's a tactic, isn't it? If that's legal. Yeah, that could be a I tactic. don't know if it's legal. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's definitely a tactic. Um, yeah. You know, to try and distract your opponent. I think there's yeah. a lot of, because the sport's based on um, kind of an honor system. You know, yeah. you make your own declarations as you get hit and, you know, and all this sort of thing. So, so talk to me a bit more about that. So, what are actually the rules? What is the scoring system? And mm -hmm. you said a lot of it depends really on just being honest mm -hmm. and being respectful. So just maybe guide through what goes into the battle and how you actually yeah, win. No worries. So the, the sport's founded on three core principles. Okay. Uh, service, care, respect. Okay, so service basically just means like I'm, as an instructor, I'm at a service to you, my student who comes in, but also at the same time you're at service to me by, you know, listening and doing what I'm, do you know, what I'm saying. But also you have things that you could potentially, you know, bring to the sport. Yeah. Uh, respect is respect. You know, it's I respect you as my opponent. I respect you as my student. You respect me in the same kind of way. And yeah. care basically means that you're not causing damage to each other. You know, you're making sure that everyone's safe. So no one's walking into walls. No one's, mm. you know, doing like that. And also you're not hitting each other too hard because we don't need any kind of strength. It's what kind of really gives this sport a lot of a balance. Right. Um, so the idea is you just have to lightly tap, you know, the areas in which to score the point. So the way that the points work is you have um, from the elbow down to the hand is an E, from the knee down to the foot is an E. And an E is a non-fatal strike. So if you get hit on one of these kind of locations, so yeah. hand, you know, hand, forearm, knee, wherever, if you get hit on those kind of locations, you declare, you say E, mm -hmm. you remove one hand from the saber, you move the saber out the way to give your, your opponent an opportunity to score a point, yeah. okay? It doesn't have to be E, five hours later, return right. back. It's just E, and then back into so you know whatever you want to yeah. do. Yeah, so it's fairly quick. You know, you yeah. want to give them an you know an opportunity, but the idea is that you're not making it too easy because you know mm -hmm. you still want to win. Yeah. Um, everywhere else, so um, so upper arm, torso, thighs up to the knee, and the top of the head. They're an R, and the R is the um, where you score the point. Right. Okay. And it's up to you. There's no referee. It's up to you to. We do that. have referees, so we do have a whole kind of. Um, it's called uh, Incom. We do have a whole governing body. So on official tournaments, um, we have um, officials who okay. will kind of do this as well. But they still rely on you to make your declaration because, as I say, it's all about respect. Yeah. Um, so you get an R. You declare an R. And in fact, if you don't declare, you can be penalised for that because it is right. such a. It's such a founding kind of principle of the sport is that you make your own declarations mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, if I hit you and you don't declare, that's going to be really annoying for me. And then it kind of goes down this kind of bad route. So I'm going to yeah. make sure that I always declare because then I'm doing the right thing and I'm not, you know, making an issue yeah. there really. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then the, to win about, it depends on, you know, on, on the rules that have been given to that kind of duel. So, um, a lot of the time it's best of three so you know you score two 
Oz, you win your duel. Right. Um, sometimes as well, we have um, uh, so usually in qualifying pools and stuff like that in tournaments, we have um, best of three assaults. So an assault is can result in you scoring R, mm-hmm. I scoring R, or we both scoring R, which right. is called a doppia. And usually that's just not point, you know, put a point on that one, so it would be a draw okay. essentially. But then, of course, in later stages, you know, like in knockouts, you can't have a draw, so yeah. doppios get ignored. And does it matter where you get hit? Obviously, apart from the ease, mm-hmm. does it matter that I'm getting hit, say, in the head uh, rather than the shoulder, or mm-hmm. is the scoring, like, the point system is still pretty much the same? It's still the same. So right. if I get hit in the shoulder, it's the same as being hit on the top. <clears throat> if I get hit on the shoulder, yeah. it's the same as being hit on the top of the head. You know, it's still going to score you an R in, right. you know, in the same kind of way. Um, the only time really that an R will get negated is if, say, for example, you hit me on the head, but just mm. before I do that, I score and, you know, sorry, if like you get me on the arm there mm. and I score an E on you first, like, you know, just a few seconds before, and then you make the contact and get the R, that's called an E to R, which is an E okay. before R. So it means that at that point, I've cut your hands off. <laughs> yeah. You can't really score an R on me anymore. Yeah. So then I've got an opportunity. But because these duels can be quite quick and quite um, you know rapid, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have time to declare yeah. when you're in the middle of doing a strike. You know, especially if you're like this far away from right. scoring the point, and that's usually when it comes. Um, again, you get a lot of honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a guy, um, Lork, in Champions Arena last year, where he lost his um, fight because. Um, the chap he was fighting scored an E on him first, then he scored an R. The official was going to give him the point. He went, no, 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 no. There was an E before the right. R. Um, you know, that's not my point. At which point the referee went, okay, no point. Yeah. Redo that round. And then he ended up losing that fight, yeah. um, which then took him out of, the, uh, out of the tournament. I wonder how long that can actually stay because that's a very difficult thing to control, especially, as I said, you're growing quite rapidly right mm-hmm. now. Um, do you see either the rules changing currently or in the future to sort of adapt to the growth of the sport? Um, I mean, one of the big things that they've done, um, as I say, in the last couple of years is this introduction of income. So, you know, officials Mm -hmm. to officiate actual tournaments and, you know, maintain this kind of standard um, because it is such a core value that we want to maintain, yeah. you know, within the sport that you are self-declaring that you do, you know, there is this whole kind of honor system. Yeah. Um, because I think that's one of the big kind of draws for me personally is because everyone is very open and honest about, you know, getting that declaration. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the mentality within the sport is I would rather win right than win, you know, because I didn't make a de- yeah. you know, didn't make a declaration or you know, something along those kind of lines. Yeah. Um, and as I say, if you don't declare and an official spots it, then you get penalised. Right. Um, so we have a card-based system. So we have um, a white card, which is a warning. Okay. So if you get a white card, it's a, listen, you know, don't do that again. You know, make and sure you're declaring. What nice do you need to do? What are the penalties for usually? So, um, so it could be for a few different reasons. I say white cards are warnings. So usually for things like, you know, declare more, you know, make sure you're declaring, mm-hmm. make sure it's loud, make sure you're moving the saber out yep. of the way. That would be a warning first. Um, you know, your, hit, your, heart, your hits are a little bit too hard. 
you know, you'll get a warning to begin with, and then if it escalates, then it will go up, you know, in the different mm -hmm. kind of, um, you know, on the different cards. Um, it could be, so usually it becomes down to either lack of respect, though, so lack of respect, or lack of cura, okay, lack of care. So lack of respect is things like not declaring or, you know, uh, foul language, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, lack of cura is uh, things like being, you know, hitting too hard, uh, moving dangerously, um, because we don't uh, stab with the tip of the saber because right. the, the blade doesn't bend, so everything has to come laterally. Right. And even in form two, we rotate the wrist so that the blade doesn't stab, but it glides past. Right. So if you go in with a tip, mm -hmm. then you you know you'll get a penalty then for lack of cure. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it happens, you know, with the way that you may move the blade, that yeah. it could be an accident. At which point, it could be a warning. Or if it's happened quite a few times, it's quite dangerous. It could be a yellow card, which gives them a point to your opponent. And it also goes down in your record as well you know, right. as an athlete. That, you know, this thing's kind of recognised. Kind of like how, you know, it does in a lot of sports that is remembered. Mm -hmm. um, if you meant to do it, then it's a red card. At right. which point you instantly forfeit that ba uh, that match. Yeah. So you lose straight away. And is that sort of the, the biggest penalty? The biggest penalty is black card. Right. And um, the black card is horrendous. Um, so within Ludo Sport UK, um, we make a slight joke. Like if you get a black card, that's the colour of the body bag, because right. it's it's a big no no. So that's like for malicious intent. So that's like actually going to really cause physical yeah. harm, um, you know, assault basically. Yeah. So as part of that, you know, membership gets you know put under review. Um, police could potentially get involved. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's a big thing really. A black card. Has anybody um, ever had one? Not in the UK. Um, but it has I, happened. I don't know if it's happened abroad. I have heard rumours. Right. Um, but I don't think they found the body yet. So, um, yeah, so I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I just got it now. <laughs> Took a while. I was there going, yeah. like, that one's a bit thingy. <laughs> Fell a bit flat. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there has been one, you know, internationally yet. Yeah. Um, I hope there's not. Because um, yeah. as I say, a big thing for us is, you know, is those three kind of principles. Yeah. And for someone to get a black card is a, is a real big thing. I mean, someone getting a red card is really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen people win tournaments because of a card being handed and nobody wants that. Not yeah. even the person who's won. You know, a lot of the time, you know, it's like, can we redo that point? Because yeah. I really don't want to win on, you know, on a, on a card. Um, but these cards are there for, for a reason, really. Mm. Um, and it's just... Hopefully, we won't see as many. Yeah. So, let's talk about just a bit about the tournaments because I'm really interested in in those. How how are they actually set up? How they look? Mm -hmm. um, how often are they held? And where are they held? Just overall, like, give me a bit of an overview how a tournament of Luda Sport looks like. Okay. Um, so it's usually broken down into two stages. So you'll usually have the pool stages which can be either done in qualifying pools. Mm -hmm. So you have to um, win so many fights or um, and a combination of winning duels and your style. Mm -hmm. um, so how you move, you know, the different right. techniques that you display and all this sort of stuff all gets kind of uh, put into a, an app and then it comes out with a style score. Um, so based on a combination of the duels that you've won and your style score, will mean whether you qualify to go through to the elimination rounds. Okay. You can also have pool, um, positioning pools instead, which is how Champions Arena, which is the international tournament, works. Mm -hmm. 
So basically, again, you um, you have the same number of jewels in the you know in the jewel you know when you in the pool stage, and again, it's done based on the number of you know where uh, victories you have, okay. and also your style score, and then that determines your rank. Okay, and then in the qualify in the um, the knockout rounds and the elimination rounds, you'll then be positioned in a certain way, and then you'll kind of go against each other. So it's usually something like the person who came first will go against the person who came last. Mm -hmm. So then hopefully when you get to the end, you've got the people who came, you know, quite high up in the table. So you're not having someone who came first and someone who came second going against each yeah. other straight away. Um, so it tries to be, you know, done in that way. Um, as for um, how often they happen, so you will have an order tournament, so Manchester will have a an order tournament, Cheltenham will have one, Birmingham will have mm -hmm. one, so on and so forth. Um, and that'll be for the students of that order, you know, of that location. Then you'll have the um, academy tournament. So we have the UK academy. So they'll have a tournament. So yeah. that's open to everyone within the UK. And then we'll have a national tournament, which again will be UK because of how we're based. Yeah. Um, but if you were to use, for example, um, Spain, they have two academies, so they would have one in uh, Madrid, one in um, one in Barcelona, yeah. and then they have a national tournament, which is you know the Spain arena, the Spanish yeah. arena. Um, then what will happen is the top three in um, uh, the top three arena champions, so the people who won the most and you know got through to the very last stage, first, second, third, they will qualify for Champions Arena. Okay. And the top three for style will also qualify for Champions Arena. Right, so there's there's separate... Separate podiums, basically. Right, gotcha. Yeah. So you have your Arena Champions and you have your Style Champions. Gotcha. Now what tends to happen is um, the people who come at the top, you know, in the top three in, for Arena, mm -hmm. also usually, you know, finish quite high in style as well. Right. Because good style means that you get good points and mm -hmm. then you tend to you know, tend to win your fights, yeah. uh, win your duels. So then we will then send six people over from the UK over to the Champions Arena, which is the big international thing, which has 64 um, participants mm -hmm. from all over, you know, from all the different kind of um, areas that we, that we practice. Um, again, as I say, so six from each nation through their, um, their national tournament. Mm -hmm. But you can also qualify for, um, for it through duels. Yeah. So you have... Um, between the academic year, you have um, you can challenge each other once to an official duel. Then you put those points into the system, yeah. and then the top twelve people from that dueling system also gain a position to fight in um, Champions Arena. Right. So it can get a bit complex, it but can, at the same yeah. time, yeah, at the same time, it makes complete sense. Yeah, about yeah. It. So you, you qualify in your own country, yeah. you know, uh, through the national tournament, and yeah. that's you know that's one way in which you get through. And how, way how much the of, a, of a show, if any, it is? Because I imagine, obviously, the battles themselves are quite exciting. Mm. Do is there like an entertainment factor around actual fights as well, or is all the attention just to the battle? So at the moment, it's um, very much kind of just on the battle itself mm. to begin with. Um, you know, it's still very new. We've only really been, you know, opening the uh, internationally for five, you know, for five years, yeah. and we're still working on these things and trying to make them a bit more showy. Um, we, you know, the live streamed every year. Mm. Um, so I had a bit of a streaming party around at mine. So I had yeah. a few of my students come around. We all watched the elimination rounds. You know, cheering on, you know, our guys who were over there. Yeah. Um, 
those of us who couldn't go, you know, in the, in the first place. So we even had some people fly out to Madrid, um, you know, to spectate, you know, so they have like, you know, uh, you know, they have seating so everyone can watch as well. Yeah. Um, and the way they do it as well is they have four arenas going at the same time. So you'll have four different, right. you know, lots of fights going. Yeah. Um, so you'll always, you know, whichever way you're looking, you always see some form yeah, of, you know, combat. And um, especially when you see some of the guys as well who've been doing it for a long, long time, they are incredible to watch because yeah. the way they move, the way they fight, you know, the way everything's just done yeah. is just is just mesmerising. Yeah. Um, because it's a case of you kind of get this warrior's instinct, you mm-hmm. know, essentially where you, you know that if you move there, you're just out of, you know, the range of their blade and then you can do something in response. So it is a very kind of... Um, it's it's it can be a lot of fun to watch. It's almost like a dance. In, yeah, in yeah, way, exactly. Yeah, yeah a bit mm-hmm. like a dance. Um, especially you know the first form that you learn, form one. Um, a lot of it's kind of controlling that space. You know, it's controlling where you are and where your opponent yeah. is, and making them go where you want them to go. Yeah. Um, and part of that can be they go for you know a lateral strike, for example, and you moving just enough out of the way so mm-hmm. that it can't get you, but then you still want to stay in a position where you can get them. So yeah. you move so they can't get you, but then you can strike back. And yeah. then you have this really kind of nice parry, repost, you know, kind of rally essentially going um, where each of you is trying to control the fight and trying yeah. to control where each other's going. So it kind of adds this whole kind of excitement, really, yeah. you know, uh, to do with the actual duels and stuff. No, absolutely. Um, while the sport does sound quite amazing, um, what have you seen are the biggest barriers at the moment for the sport to actually grow and become what it needs to become? Mm. Um, I think one of the biggest things really is like with any new, you know, sport is, you know, getting it out there, you know, mm. getting people knowing about it. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that we struggle with is people go, oh, they're just, you know, some nerds with like toy lightsabers. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, then, you know, you've seen yourself, they're not, they're not toys, you know, yeah. they're, uh, they're, they're properly made for the sport. We've got, um, yeah, I was really surprised how, how, properly yeah. With all the weight in them as well, so they're, yeah. they're quite hefty. Um, of course, you can knock the weight down, you don't have to have it on the max weight like I do. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is just trying to get people in, you know, yeah. and try it out. Most people who try it out love it, mm. you know, even if it's just the one time they try it and they don't decide to come along. We had um, a discovery session in Liverpool last night, we had three people come along to it, all yeah. three want to sign up and join. Brilliant. So it's just like we are constantly growing as soon as we get people in yeah. to try it people tend to you know fall in love with it for whichever reason it is yeah you know whether it's because you know the they've always envisioned themselves with you know being a jedi or a sith or whatever yeah. or whether they're looking at it going this is a legitimate you know combat sport or even if they come in just for the community which mm-hmm. is you know why i started in the first place yeah so i started because i didn't really I had over the years like friendship groups have shrunk so I wanted to meet some new people who, yeah. you know, were like-minded. And I came to this and then met all these people who were absolutely amazing. Yeah. And it's become a massive extended family yeah. to the point where I can, I know I can go to Sweden. I know I could go to, you know, Spain or Italy. and I'll have somewhere to stay because it's yeah. people that I've met through this sport, um, which I don't think you get, you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, with many other things. Yeah. Um, and you also, I, I guess you get to get active and still really enjoy mm. what you're doing rather than forcing yourself going to yeah. the gym or whatever, right? Because yeah. not everybody likes that, isn't it? Yeah, like... Exactly, you know, and because of the way as well that you move um, and you you can push yourself as much as you want. Yeah. So we have, um, let's say we have some uh, 
athletes and instructors within the sport who really, really, really go for it. Like yeah. they really want to achieve, you know, quite high goals. Um, so uh, one of the guys, Josh, is doing this whole kind of thing on his athlete page where it's like training every day. Yeah. And he posts a little video of him training. I'm looking at him going, that's impressive. Yeah. You know, fair play. And then other people just come along to, you know, do the lesson, do it as yeah. a little bit of, you know, as a way to try and lose some weight. Yeah. You know, and we, we cater to as much as many people as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my students, uh, Steve, and another one called Lee, they're, they're quite like, la- you know, they're quite large lads. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing it to try and, you know, get healthy. They're trying to, they're doing it to lose a bit of weight, yeah. but also it's, it's fun. You know, it's yeah. something that they can enjoy. So how, how much does being athletic play into becoming a good, you know, lightsaber fighter? So it depends, um, which is a very common answer. With yeah. those boys. It <laughs> depends. Um, because on, I mean, I'm not, you know, the most athletic person. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite a large lad, right. um, but I like to think I'm, I'm fairly competent. And a lot of that can come from, you know, precision and, mm. you know, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. Yeah. So I know I'm not particularly fast. So my def- my style is a little bit more defensive. So I may yeah. try and bait people to come in to do something yeah. so then I can respond, you know, catch an E, you know, on the hands as then I go in and catch yeah. the R. Whereas Skippy, who um, from uh, from Birmingham, this is battle name, his actual name is Stephen, mm-hmm. but because he skips around, everyone just knows him as Skippy, um, <laughs> is really, really quick and right. really, really fast. So it's one of these kind of things where his fighting style is a lot different mm-hmm. from mine. And then you've got other people who fight in different kind of ways as well. And as you kind of do more and more styles, you have more and more um, techniques in your arsenal that you can use and utilise. Yeah. And sometimes you get people who really like a particular style and will focus you know just on encapsulating everything in that style um so form four has a lot of kind of jumps and dives and rolls and all this sort of thing Mm -hmm. you know some people absolutely love that me personally i'm worried that i'm gonna do a roll and probably never get back up again so i'd rather just stay on my feet (laughs) um so a lot of you know how you are kind of um impacts you know on how you will fight yeah um so you don't have to be super duper you know fit really really you know um quick or lithe mm-hmm. or anything like that because you can fight in your style yeah you know it's a, this is one of the things that i absolutely love about the sport because everyone's essentially on a level playing field because yeah. you don't need strength to do the strikes yeah. so it doesn't mean that you know if you're like a bodybuilder or something like that yeah. with multiple you know mus- massive muscles yeah. doesn't matter because you're not trying to cleave through yeah. someone um, and a lot of the time, speed comes with just the technique and yeah. how you do the particular technique. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes down to speed's always, a, you know, is always a useful thing, mm-hmm. um, but also precision. Yeah. You know, if I'm more precise with um, putting my blade, you know, I have a better chance of, yeah. you know, uh, catching ease and then getting the oars. Yeah. You know, making those opportunities work for me. Yeah. And it's just finding your own style yeah. really within that. And I think, yeah, from my perspective, apart from the community and the, just the, the, the plain fact that it looks cool mm. <laughs> as a sport, I think that's the biggest benefit of that sport is that it is a level playing field. Yeah. Um, the fact that you don't need that strength, mm-hmm. it's all about the skill, your IQ, and just planning, being two steps ahead of your opponent, yeah. and just planning it out and actually being creative with the way you do mm. it. Um, I think that's, that's a brilliant combination for a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Where do you see the sport going next, in your opinion? 
I hope it just keeps growing, to be yeah. fair, and keeps expanding and, you know, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I mean, the founding masters over in Italy, they're constantly, you know, working on the different styles yeah. and, you know, improving them and, you know, progressing them. Um, so at the moment, we well, now we have um, nine different styles. So you've got form one and two, which are your first styles that you learn. Originally, they were one and a half years. They've now been dropped down to one year okay. to try and get people through these kind of um, early forms mm -hmm. so that they can then experience course Y, which gives you a bit of an overview of the different forms that have yet to come. Yeah. Um, so certain things that don't get used that often have been taken out of form one and two, and they're going to be put into like this specialist kind of course. Yeah. So again, if you find form one is the style that you absolutely adore, and you look at all the others and go, no, form one's definitely for me. Yeah. You can go back and just... Do become a form one specialist mm -hmm. and have all the tools that you need to compete against people who know like any other forms. Mm. Um, in the last couple of years, they've brought in um, dual sabers now. Nice. So we have yeah, so we have dual daggers, <laughs> slightly shorter blade, but you got two of them. Yeah. And uh, there's a few members who are down south who are now learning course Y as well. So they're right. they're getting that and they're learning it, and it's right. I'm a little bit jealous. Yeah. Um, but we've also got battle staff. Right. So there's a lot of kind of, you so know, there's still innovation going into this. We're sport, still working yeah. on it, still coming up with new things. Um, yeah. So you've got three, four, and five as well, which are um, still the long saber, the single saber. And then after them, um, you have um, seven and eight. Yeah. Uh, sorry, six and seven. And six and seven are purely um, kind of conceptual and it's mm. you should be able to do i mean there's not a lot of stuff out about six and seven yet because it's not really no i don't think anyone's learning it yet right especially not in the uk at least right. um so the idea is that you can go into six and seven with the single saber the dual sabers or the battle staff yeah and be able to do six and seven because it's things that work with all styles yeah um so the sport is constantly evolving constantly changing you know, Incom, um, I've been around now for about a year or so, um, and they're constantly evolving, constantly changing. The um, ITR, which is the mm. kind of the rules and regulations, is constantly being updated with, you know, amendments and revisions to make sure that everything's covered. Mm. Because you come up with a set of rules for a game, you know, you come up with a set of rules for a sport, and then a situation comes up, it's like, oh, okay, we've, we've not got anything for that. So then yeah. you adapt and you, you know, and you improve it. Um, and as I say, the sport's just going to continue to grow mm. um, throughout the UK, throughout the world. Um, as I say, we were doing we did a discovery session last night, a trial lesson in Liverpool, because we're hoping to expand out to there. Mm. Um, we're hoping to expand out to different parts of the UK and get more and more people, yeah. you know, interested and involved. Um, and it'll be the same thing for for the for the globe, really, as well. Yeah. Like total domination. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, how do people find out more about Luda sport about what you guys are doing and, and what's the best way for them to actually try it out and get into it so um, a couple of ways so one of the big ones is follow us on Facebook so uh, search for UK um, so Luda sport UK yeah and you'll be able to find our main page from there also we'll have pages for each of the um, the areas so we've got Luda sport Manchester uh, Birmingham Bristol and Cheltenham yep. which will have a lot more stuff on to do with the specific locations where they are um, you can also email in to uk at ludosport.net. Um, we'll be able to give you kind of any information there. 
following the page as well you'll see any kind of um discovery sessions and trial lessons we've got yeah and also we're putting them on the Orphe app as well awesome um i'm really excited to see where the sport goes next mm -hmm. um i've seen it firsthand i've tried it out actually myself i've seen the weapons and it's it has it feels like it has all the pillars mm -hmm. needed to become a legitimate well-known sport mm -hmm. um it's just as you said a case of people being aware that this is exist yep. this exists trying it out themselves watching the professionals do it because mm. it is impressive yeah um and yeah um i wish you all the best and we'll be very closely monitoring where this is going yeah definitely and you're welcome to come along anytime yes thanks a lot for your time and no uh, have a good one thank you so if you enjoyed this episode make sure you like share and subscribe to our channel and let us know in the comments what you liked or didn't like and who our next guest should be. For more content like this, make sure you follow all of our social media channels. And don't forget to download the Orphe Active app to find a variety of sporting and fitness activities near you to easily find and join. We'll see you at the next Orphe Hangout.